It's so fascinating that this week was a week without electricity for so many. And the Shabbat, we stood for Shamor et Yom HaShabbat Likadsho, Ka'asher Tzivcha Adonai Lohecha. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as your God Adonai has commanded you. So in Judaism, we are commanded to observe Shabbat. Back in uh, Shemot, in Exodus, we were reminded that we should observe Shabbat as a memory of creation. And here, in the repetition of the Ten Commandments, the explanation is different. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of your God Adonai. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle, or even the non-Jew in your settlements, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and your God Adonai freed you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, your God Adonai has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So a question longstanding from Halakha is whether the commandment to keep Shabbat holy by not doing milacha, creative work, is this a separate commandment to keep Shabbat? Keep Shabbat in a certain way, or do we satisfy the keeping of Shabbat with the prohibitions and the positive mitzvahs of the things that we're supposed to do? Or is there a special category growing out? Now, remember, we all know that milacha is a technical term, and traditionally and halachically, it refers to the 39 milachot, the ways in which the tabernacle was built. And the milacha refers to creative work that introduces something new or modifies something within your environment. And on Shabbat, we don't do that because we want to experience the world as beautiful the way it is. But here we're commanded to really rest. Is that separate? The rabbis of the Mishnah already knew. Well, if you're commanded to rest, is resting best served by staying in bed all day? I confess I've experimented with this approach to Shabbat. I don't know if you ever have. And I find it in some ways very meaningful to spend all of Shabbat in bed. And it can be very healing. Rabbis also noted that staying in bed all day and resting maybe isn't exactly the kind of rest God had in mind when God said, keep Shabbat. Keep Shabbat holy. And that... We introduce all the joys of Shabbat. If you're not having joy on Shabbat and experiencing the world is made for you, to really experience the world is made for you is full of blessings, connect with nature, connect with other people, connect with Torah if you stayed in bed all day. So category is introduced that's a little bit different. I don't want to be technical about it, but I think it's fair to say it's a bit different in halacha than other categories. And I get to know it very well because I teach it in the intro to Judaism class a lot which is, okay, we've got something new to talk about today, because even though we're used to talking about commandments and prohibitions that come from the Torah, and we're used to talking about commandments and prohibitions that come from the rabbis, we have a third category of observance of Shabbat that is called Shavuot. Same root as Shabbat, Shabbat and Shavuot, sort of Shabbatness, restfulness, normally translated as you cannot do things that are not in the spirit of Shabbat. And you should be doing things that are in the spirit of Shabbat. Now, I don't know about you, but this can be a little bit uncomfortable for me as a Jew, because I'm used to my halakha coming the way I'm used to my halakha coming, which is you can do this and you can't do that. So having it something that say, there's something called the spirit, and you have to be mindful of it and involves things, it, it feels a little Christian to me to say that, make sure you keep it in the spirit and focus on the spirit of it. So the category of Shavuot, keeping things, doing things that are in the spirit of Shabbat, 
is a discussion throughout the history of halakha, what those things include. They would include things that are definitely not milakha, that are def- or even extensions of forbidden categories of creation, but invite the weekday spirit into Shabbat. So an example is you can read, but should you be reading a newspaper? Now, if you have the same reaction to the newspaper I do, you probably shouldn't be reading the newspaper on Shabbat because it'll just get your nerves up and it'll get you upset and it'll chase away the spirit of Shabbat. You shouldn't do homework. But what if you're reading the homework book because you actually really appreciate it? Your teacher has assigned you a book because it's actually a beautiful book and it expands your mind. It teaches you something you haven't learned before. Learning on Shabbat is a beautiful thing. We're in the middle of our hustle trying to decide. Uh, I'm trying to decide anyway. I don't know if I brought it up with them yet. Whether I can't seem to find a time to do some work with Mirav and Ziva on the prayers. And so is tutoring my children in prayers, is that a violation of Shabbat or is it not a violation of Shabbat? And for the most part, I've said, eh, it feels like tutoring. It feels like work. I shouldn't do work on Shabbat, but I can't find a time, any other time during the week to do it. And so I kind of feel like, am I missing out on experience of looking back? And you can see they're growing up very quickly. Am I missing out on experience of remembering Shabbats at home, teaching my daughters the prayers? So deciding what is in the spirit of Shabbat and what's not in the spirit of Shabbat is very clumsy. And we had really some coincidences this week, one of which there are very few other examples of this kind of discussion. And one of them is about Tisha B'Av. So as we observe Tisha B'Av, the rabbis say, well, you know, there are all these prohibitions for Tisha B'Av, like fasting and so forth. And can you study? And the debate comes that, well, there's, I'll tell you, the rabbis of the Talmud, there's nothing they enjoy more than studying. So if on Tishbab you're supposed to be sad, then it's not in the spirit of Tishbab to study. But what if you study really, really, really sad things? And then they say, well, if you just if you studied really sad things, maybe it's okay then. And for those who came on Leil Tishbab, they may have noticed that I didn't say anything about the text that we read. We just did the ritual by itself because this year I was kind of feeling like talking about it would actually remove us. It's too much fun. It's too comforting. It's we're in our comfort zone when we say, when was this written? And what do we know about it? And I felt like, eh, it's going to, that, that's too enjoyable for Tisha B'Av. But on another year, I may go a different direction and say, actually, no, studying it more makes me even more sad. So this category, where does electricity fall? In 1950, the conservative movement had a series of law decisions relating to electricity, culminating in the famous driving tshuva. And in that driving tshuva, members, not all members of the law committee said, well, if for a moment we remove the fact that in a car it's making fire, full sake of disclosure, I think that that's very problematic to put that aside on the left side of the table. But for the, in the shiva, they say, let's put on one side of the table for a moment whether a combustion engine is making fire and we're not allowed to make fire on Shabbat. That is from the Torah. If we put that aside... Is it in the spirit of Shabbat to drive to shul or not? And the driving shuvah basically said, well, it's kind of like what I said about, are you going to stay in bed all of Shabbat? And is that a real Shabbat? Or is Shavuot inviting the spirit of Shabbat include going to synagogue? After all, the reason the service is so long on Saturday morning is it's supposed to give everybody a taste of Torah study, of thinking about our tradition and the rabbis and, and halakha and commentary. So if you just stay in bed, you're going to miss out on that. 
And if you live too far, you're going to miss out. So they, it was kind of in, it's in the spirit of Shabbat. If you live too far from Shul to drive to Shul. Of course, people reacted and they said it's better to buy a house near Shul. And if the house is small, so be it. And if it's extra expensive because it's near Shul, that's what you have to face to be a good Jew. But there are other people who might say there are deep equity issues involved with that these days, that somehow you have to show your piousness by impoverishing your family in order to live near the Shul. And is that in the spirit of Shabbat? You did you you impoverish yourself so you could express joyfulness, you know, and, and include the joyfulness on Shabbat. So the issues are really challenging. And now we have an electric car. So as many of you probably know, I wrote a tshuva on whether the electric car is a kosher on Shabbat or not, but I never submitted it to the law committee. They didn't listen to one tshuva I sent them that had to do with welcoming non-Jews into the congregation more fully, putting aside the customs of turning them away. And so I didn't submit the tshuva, but this week, tshuva on the electric car written by someone else was passed by majority of the law committee, as well as the tshuva passed by the majority of the law committee, completely condemning the tshuva on driving an electric car on Shabbat. So this week, we had two tshuva come out, both tshuva very hostile to each other. They say that we know that an electric car that is fully electric is not a violation of the issue of fire then is it a violation of other things? And as I did in my draft of the tshuva, I considered things like, well, you're not allowed to drive so far beyond the boundary of the town. But the way the boundary of the town is a little known Shabbat restriction has been defined is really in fairly large places, the boundary is pretty far away. So that's not the biggest concern. Is, are you carrying the car by driving it? Some have tried to make the argument that you would be carrying your electric car by driving it. Are you carrying from things from one place to another? But similar to wearing clothes that have your keys attached to them, you could say that as long as you're not intentionally moving something, using the car, the things that are already part of the car can move back and forth, and you are not actively, in a sense, carrying them for the purpose of carrying them for one place or another. People have considered what the Ben Yishchai said about bicycling, which is that, well, bicycling may not be carrying... But if you're going up a hill, you're kind of pushing your bike uphill. You're kind of carrying that bike uphill. But the issue with the electric car is you're not carrying your electric car uphill. It's carrying you. So that's not a violation of you carrying the car. People have said, well, you could go back to the old musical instrument thing and say, well, you'd be tempted to fix the, the, the car if it breaks down. But you can't fix an electric car if it breaks down. Right. I'm not, I couldn't even fix my bicycle. And the Tosafot, the French commentators on the Talmud already said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the whole issue about fixing, we're not even sure what it referred to, because these days we can't fix anything. So um, I think that the timeless words of the Tosafot still apply today. So it all comes down. Is driving an electric car to shul, is it in the spirit of Shabbat or is it not in the spirit of Shabbat? Which comes down to is the use of electricity on Shabbat okay on Shabbat, or is it not? So I want to quote to you from the 1950 tshuva, so we hear its words. From Rabbi Arthur Neulander, it must be clearly understood that whatever use of electric apparatus we permit on Shabbat, we allow only on condition that its use is in consonance with the spirit of Shabbat. So let's put it this way. Actually saying that you can only use electricity for the purposes of restfulness. In other words, electricity 
is invited for the purposes of Shavuot. Thus, the telephone may be used for conversation to strengthen family ties, to foster friendship and neighborliness, to convey a message of cheer to the sick, or for a similar Devar Mitzvah. But the telephone should not be used for shopping purposes, for making a business appointment, much less a business transaction. So you can't use, certainly, electricity for things that are both not in the spirit of Shabbat or themselves are in violation of Shabbat. I can't use my electric lawnmower to cut the lawn because you're not allowed to cut lawns on Shabbos. The first group is in keeping with the holiness of Shabbat, and the second group violates the minuchash lema, the full restfulness of Shabbat. Similarly, in the use of radio or television, common sense should dictate that only such programs may be indulged in which are not vulgar and banal and do not desecrate the sanctity of the ideal Shabbat. Only programs of high aesthetic taste, of high ethical content, instructive, and of social value are in keeping with our concept of a Shabbat Kodesh, and only such programs should be listened to and seen on a Shabbat day. So one of the questions is, for some people, can the use of electricity enhance the spirit of Shabbat? And can the same use of electricity for another take away from the spirit of Shabbat? Can you even be the same person? There are times in my life where walking to shul was a huge part of my Shabbat experience. And then when we moved to San Diego and we rented a house down the street from the shul, I walked to shul and found myself showing up to shul after walking through Saturday football games at the high school, literally walking through the, like along the sidelines of the game because it was the only way to get to shul without going three miles around and showing up to shul drenched in sweat. I really didn't find that that enhanced my experience of Shabbat. It exhausted me. So we have the issue of like, for one person, in in a world in which we are so enslaved by our electronics, don't we need to embrace a Shabbat that's free of them? But at the same time, People who wrote the words I just said were not fools. And they knew that sometimes electricity enhances the spirit of Shabbat. I remember once I went to a synagogue and the person giving the Var Torah said, I don't use microphones on Shabbat and it's okay because I'm really loud. And I sat back in in the row and I said, you know, I can hear. This is actually kind of cool. Maybe we don't need electronics on Shabbat. This feels more Shabbos-like. Until afterwards, I heard a person behind me say, you know, I couldn't hear a thing. And I came all the way to synagogue today to be with everybody else and to learn some Torah. Maybe I won't come next week. You know, like, I mean, because how often do you go to shul and it doesn't, it doesn't work for you? And, and you're like, mm, I have a decision to make about what the spirit of Shabbat will be for me and what it brings. I was concerned that the chuba trying to get us to unplug went very far in its halachic statement. It said that unplugging on Shabbat is not just a choice about Shavuot, but it really is from the Torah itself. And it cannot be left up to the individual to make a decision about what what enhances their Shabbat and does not enhance their Shabbat. That decision needs to be made for them. And the reason it needs to be made for them is because the conservative movement needs young, progressive Jews who are offended by the use of electronics in conservative synagogues. And we should make it clear that their observance is the observance that we seek to foster. And I'm really sympathetic to that. 
but I think it doesn't address the real issue. The real issue is not whether conservative synagogues should decide one person's Shavuot is better than another person's Shavuot. The real concern is whether conservative synagogues are fostering Shabbat observance. And it avoids the issue to say, what does that Shabbat observance have to look like? And if we are loud enough about one side or the other, then that will solve our problems. The real issue is whether synagogues can support people in their choices of Shavuot and encourage them to feel connected to Shabbos community. There are ways in which those who are observant and unplugged do not have a place to go on Shabbat, to be with other Jews in many suburbs and cities and towns. But there's also a beauty to having lunch together. There's a day in which sometimes doing Shabbat together in the social hall, which is not, which is a different kind of Shavuot. It's a different kind of restfulness and celebrating Shabbat is also appropriate. And so I conclude with this. What is the need to rule that one person's call to their mother on Shabbat is a violation of Shabbat from the Torah? The real issue is that for those for whom Shavuot includes going off the grid, then there is a need for community. And is our embarrassment that we cannot provide that community produce the need to denigrate the Shabbat rest of others? And this on a week where losing electricity reminded me of how sometimes going off grid is not all a good thing. But at the same time, how do we nurture those whose Shavuot is going wireless? And I think most of all, how do we challenge ourselves to deepen our connection with Shabbat by considering that our own subjectivity, while essential, what I count for me to be in the spirit of Shabbat, answers to a higher power. Shabbat Shalom.